All right, uh, welcome to Conversation on the TYT Network. We got a great guest for you guys, Viviana Vigil. She is a commentator and host on El Rey Network. Uh, Viviana, welcome back to the program. Hi, thank All you right. so much for having me. Of course, so uh, let's talk politics. Uh, first, let's start with um, um, foreign elections. Um, Bolivia just had one. Uh, earlier, Elon yeah. Musk had said, uh, we'll coup anyone we like in that country. The voters of Bolivia seem to have a different impression. Uh, so tell us how that went. Absolutely, you know, it was great to see uh, a leftist uh, lead, you know, and, and Arce take control. He was, of course, under Morales, who got ousted by, you know, the US, really. We went in there and we mingled, we mangled, and uh, we tried to put a conservative leading party in there, and they were ousted. The lines were around the block. It looked a lot like here in the US. And at the end of the day, they got somebody in charge that is going to bring a little bit more socialism back to the country. It's interesting to me that this is happening now, because as you know, Jank, there has been a long, strong arm of imperialism from the United States into every country practically. And this is showing us how weak that's becoming. And I don't ever congratulate Trump with anything, but perhaps it's due to him. Perhaps how weak Trump is, is now making America weaker. And in, you know, as an effect, we're seeing America's imperialism starting to fall and crumble. They don't have the power they did. You know, Elon Musk does not surprise me anymore with anything that he says. Um, the guy is clearly a, a capitalist. He, he acted as if he was being such a philanthropist and really helping the country and helping the world and the planet. And we're seeing his true colors. We're seeing really yeah. what he's about. And I'm excited for Bolivia. You know, they have had a really, really tough time. COVID has hit them hard. I think they have over 8,000 deaths and only have a population of, you know, under 12 million or something like that. So they're going to have an economic fallout like the rest of the world is. But I think when they have a leader in place that's going to be fighting for the people and be fighting for the country and fighting for the, you know, the proletariat as opposed to, you know, the 1%. I think we're going to see them have some some success, and I'm glad that the people were able to express their vote. And it's difficult to win over there. You need to get over 50 percent or over 40 percent, and and you know, and obviously, really pulled it out. Yeah, you got to be over 40 percent with a 10 point lead or over 50 percent. Period. He did both. He was over 50 percent, and he had over a 20 point win. So. Viviana, let me ask you one more question about that. And it's about American media, because. A lot of the questions around Bolivia and other Latin American countries that the US meddles in are easy. We shouldn't, we do do coups and we do massive, massive propaganda. The question to me that's hard is why the American media oftentimes plays along with it. And I know that historically the media has been co-opted by the CIA and the United States government, but I thought we were way past that. I mean, I'd be shocked if the CIA is telling the New York Times what to do these days. But nonetheless, still a lot of mainstream media, when there is a coup in, in Latin America, say, I don't see the coup, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the people have risen up in Venezuela and Bolivia and decided that they want a right wing leader who's gonna sell their natural resources to America for really, really cheap. That's what I'm hearing in the streets. Yeah. Why is that I, happening? You know, I think I think we're in a real shift. You know, it used to be decades and decades ago that you know the CIA, FBI, they, you needed to have government agencies going in there manipulating things. Now, with how easy it is to send information around the world, you find that 
you know, these elites, the people in power with the money are starting to target people and journalists and papers and whatnot independently. You know, even people that are, you know, supposedly left leaning aren't when your pockets are lined. And so we're seeing media twisting and tangling. We don't even know what, you know, papers are, are left or conservative or, you know, uh, progressive anymore because it just really depends who's writing it and who's backing that person. It's easier also to see information straight from the source. So you really have to get in there and vilify whatever independent journalism is happening in each individual country. Yeah. And I think the, the US is just really losing that power, even you know within their own government control of being able to plant CIA operatives or whatever in there to try to tweak things. You gotta have to be real guerrilla about it now. And so it's whoever can, can write that check. Yeah, I really think that that's the biggest thing. Capitalism is fueling it. Yeah, well, that happens here too. Right-wing billionaires write checks to media outlets like PragerU and Ben Shapiro and and so many others, all the way up to Rush Limbaugh, and and obviously a right-wing billionaire owns New York Post, Wall Street Journal, and Fox News Channel, and and those folks do get yep. to do propaganda on a very very large scale. Okay, so. Uh, now let's talk about US politics uh, in specific. So Donald Trump is doing disastrously among women overall. Uh, and uh, now that's normal, he, he did poorly last time around with women as well. But now he's lost college educated white men, 53% uh, have a very unfavorable impression of him in that category. He's lost voters above the age of 55, which was a stronghold for him last time around. He said a world of hurt. but. Uh, amazingly, uh, black and Latino voter support has started to go up for him compared to 2016. Uh, I can get into some of the numbers and I'm sure you can as well, but but let, let's let's talk about Latinos first. Um, what do you think is happening there? Why in the world, for a guy who has targeted Latinos and immigrants nonstop, why is his support going up rather than down? It's so difficult to understand why people would vote against their own interests. But when we start really thinking about ideology and the concept of whiteness, and it's 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 a phrase that I've coined, Jank, and I use it all the time. You don't have to be white to be a white supremacist. It's an ideology, and when you're trying to compete in a country and you're trying to assimilate, because that's what's required when you're under the thumb of white supremacy, which we all are in the United States. If you were raised, and even globally. We were raised as white supremacists and we have to actively fight that every single day. And so the voters are, are trying to navigate the system to belong. I mean, we're seeing record numbers of police violence. We know that the justice system is not balanced. And so you don't wanna be a victim to that. So what do you do? You join the other side. You say, okay, I'm not a victim. You know what? Donald Trump does say things how they are. He does lay it out. He doesn't care about what anybody says. And especially men find that to be empowering. And unfortunately, like you just mentioned, it's the educated white men that are, and men in general, that are leaning away from it because they've taken, you know, a logic classes in college. But it's the under, it's the undereducated people who maybe don't recognize that sort of gaslighting and and you know race baiting that's taking place, and they're taking they're taking the bait. And you know, there is a lot of toxic masculinity still in this country, and it is extremely strong within the Latino community as well because. It's part of our culture, you know. It's part of how men are raised. That this is right and this power, you know, grabbing by the is, is a normal thing, and it's something that's celebrated, or at least was 
and we're starting to break through those walls. And so we have to bust through that toxic masculinity within the Latino culture. And it's both women and men and any gender within that that kind of fall victim to that ideology. And I really think that there's also a lot of one issue voters that are going on, you know, they're, they're anti-abortion. But I think the biggest issue, and I, I don't think we're really putting enough uh, I wish we didn't have to, but I don't think we're putting enough attention on what QAnon is doing and the misinformation that's going on on Facebook. Latinos are really record setting using Facebook. I mean, they're on there constantly. My own family I've seen take the bait of QAnon. You know, Latinos are very much about family. They're very much about children. And this QAnon conspiracy is really playing, playing into pedophilia and somehow, Trump is secretly behind the scenes going to stop child trafficking and and they wanna believe it. It's a complicated problem, it's an ugly issue that we're dealing with. You know, child trafficking is a real thing and it's horrible and pedophilia is a real thing and we don't want that. But then they start correlating these, um, I won't even say progressive uh, sort of laws, but you know, birth control that's gonna be available to someone who as young as 10, they then, interpret that, we passed that here in California, that we wanna make birth control without parental consent available to young women as young as 10 years old. And that is to protect them from getting pregnant, from abuse from a cousin or somebody that's in their life. It's not meant to, to justify pedophilia and to allow them to be having sex at 10 years old, but they're afraid of these kinds of things. And we all want an easy solution. Don't you, don't you wish you could just let Jesus take the wheel? I do. But that's not realistic. We have to really look at these problems for what they are. And unfortunately, a lot of these people who have not really done the time to educate themselves more than just reading Facebook articles, really get into the meat of what's going on. They wanna just, they wanna ride this roller coaster and hope that somebody saves them. I don't know how they think Trump's gonna be that person, but they're really in for a rude awakening. And I, my own cousin who's jumped on that bandwagon, I said, how, how is it that Trump is going to save child trafficking when he's the guy, there's been so many kids that have gone missing from the border after he put them in cages. All of a sudden we don't know where they are. Doesn't that seem kind of suspicious to you? They don't wanna hear it. So I really think there's a lot of stuff going on. It's it's about whiteness, it's about belonging, it's about assimilation, it's about fear, it's about religion, it's about control over women's bodies, it's about toxic masculinity. I mean, these are a lot of layered things going on. And unfortunately, it's it's playing into the, the hands of, of uh, the voters and, and, and what's exactly what Trump wants. He yeah. wants them to see that he can really solve this. Yeah, look, we're out of time. I wish we had more time for it because that is so interesting because um, it's amazing. Uh, Donald Trump is the one that uh, wished Ghislaine Maxwell well. Yeah. She's the most notorious child molester in the country. And on yeah. two different occasions, he twice said, "Oh, I wish her well. He's friends with her, he partied with her. And, and I mean, and I hadn't thought of the point about the kids in the cages and I, we know that they lost track of their parents and, and some of them never got reunited. But for some reason, once QAnon started, People that were not even necessarily Republicans before, they just switched off their brain. And they're like, okay, that's it. I now lend out my brain to the first person who made the allegation. So I mean, it's so toxic because then that creates all the wrong incentives. Some Democratic consultants are probably thinking, we wish we alleged that the Republicans were child molesters as a political tactic before the Republicans used it on us. Because apparently anybody will believe it about anybody without any evidence. So this isn't just absolutely insane. And before we go, guys, I just wanna be clear on the facts. I don't want people to get it wrong. 
57% of Latino men are, are still uh, voting for or supporting Biden according to the polls. It's just a lower number than you would have expected given the circumstances. So Biden does still lead in that category and he leads with uh, Latinas at 64% support. Again, I, we, I would have imagined it'd be bigger, but it, Biden does still hold those leads. Um, all right, Viviana, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Hank. I love the show. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. All right, back on the conversation. Joining us now is Charlotte Swayze. She's a VP of Data and Polling for Data for Progress, and they're gonna do something really interesting on election night. Charlotte, welcome to TYT. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Of course. So, what do you guys have planned for election night at Data for Progress? And I'll throw in the follow up already. Why? So, I'll do why first. Um, so I've been working on election night reporting for a number of years now for campaigns as a vendor, sitting in windowless or otherwise boiler rooms, walking people through data as it comes in. Um, and normally that's kind of my position. I'm half babysitter, half therapist, like half number cruncher. Um, but this cycle, I started to notice that a whole bunch of people were looking at election results as they came in who would normally be I mean, not doing that, not prone to hit refresh every two seconds. Um, so at Data for Progress, we've put together a public dashboard and educational resource that you can find on our website um, that is our election night integrity project. So this is both a report on election results as they come in and also a resource to help people really understand and contextualize what they're seeing to help promote both understanding and sort of a, a calm read on results that can be really, really confusing if you're not sure what you're looking at. Yeah, and I'll say for my part uh, to the audience, um, look guys, the, the most important phenomenon is the difference between election night and all of the voting. Um, so normally mail-in ballots are a part of what happens in an election but not as significant and large a part as they are this time around with coronavirus and all the other things that have happened. So, and the mail-in ballots right now are coming in already and they're coming in heavily democratic from at least people registered as Democrats. So that is why Trump is talking against it. And that is why Trump in some of the swing states might have a lead on election night, but that lead is, could be illusory depending on how the mail-in ballots go and how quickly they're counted by the different states. So Charlotte, for the Election Night Integrity Project, what are you guys going to be tracking? So we're tracking both early votes as they're cast. So we get records of how many ballots are in, but we don't get records of like how they're cast because they're not opened yet. And then on election night, we'll have records of votes as they're counted. So. We won't get like what type of vote it is, but we will know how many have been cast and how they split out between the different candidates. So that'll be the main information that we're leaning on. And then we also have data on previous cycles, which is very helpful because it gives you intuition and information like this is typically a democratic state. And if the early results lean Republican, that's probably more an accident of how they're counted than an actual result. Yeah. And, and so that that is very important, also partly because Donald Trump is master of disinformation. 
So uh, today, there I think they were talking on Fox about, uh, I think Trump was intimating that he could win New York. That's mental. Uh, so if you're not familiar with, uh, with the way elections work in, in, in America and the different states, the Republicans have a 0% chance of winning New York in any national election uh, in modern history. Donald Trump has less than a 0% chance of winning. Uh, but uh, you know, I, Charlotte, I don't know if there's, if it's more than zero though for him to have a lead on election night, even in blue states like New York, is, is that possible? That would be pretty unusual in New York. I also think that I don't wanna overstate the variations in counting. We should fully expect states who kind of have it together and are usually pretty quick to have counted quite a lot of votes, even quite a lot of mail-in votes on election night. So Florida, for example, seems like it's gonna come in pretty quickly. They have a really good system in place. Pennsylvania, probably a bit less quickly, a little bit more chaotic and subject to legal determination. Um, well, that's really but scary. Even if you see these leads early in the night, like they will resolve pretty quickly. So, Charlotte, that's what we're all worried about, right? So, let's talk about a little bit more about that. So, mm-hmm. um, in a state like Pennsylvania, if uh, most of the day of voters are Trump voters, which is what it looks like it'll be now, uh, but no huge majority of the mail-in votes are Democratic voters, if they could somehow get them to stop counting, that would be a massive win for the Republicans and for Donald Trump. So do you know of any effort on the Democratic side to make absolutely sure that every vote is counted and that the media doesn't freak out and declare Trump the winner as they did for George W. Bush in in 2000, that that made all the difference? Yeah, so there's a number of efforts to, to make sure all the votes are counted. And also all of this fully depends on the exact order in which different boxes of votes are counted, which is very much subject to the jurisdiction of poll workers who tend to be lovely, civically engaged older people who do genuinely want the election to go smoothly. Um, So on the Democratic side, there are a number of efforts, including our partners. Um, And then also there's more nonpartisan efforts like Vote America, who we've worked with, um, who are really pushing on this idea that like we do need to count every single vote, that there is no acceptable point to sort of cut it off. And I think you can see a success of this effort in the legal victories and legal battles that have been going on around these things. Like there's not been a ton of success as far as disallowing absentee votes, using these deadlines for mail-in ballots getting pushed back. So if they are postmarked by election day, but arrive after they'll still get counted. So there's a whole bunch of work going on on this topic. I hear you on that, but I'm still very worried because there's a couple of states that are disastrous. I mean, we saw what happened in Iowa, and so no, believe me, I was I was in Iowa. I fully fully remember. But but you do have to know that that did get resolved. Like it wasn't there was this huge question mark, but the actual like determination of the winner of the race overall was determined eventually. We just needed to wait quite a bit longer than I think we would have liked. Uh, I know, so honestly, but, if, but if the worst outcome here is we wait a few days, then I'll be pretty happy with that. But how long did we wait in Iowa? It, I, my recollection I mean, is was not days, it was weeks. Yeah, no, yeah. it took quite a while. Yeah, and so Bernie Sanders won Iowa, Buttigieg was near tie for first place. 
But Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden did not send in the militia to contest uh, Iowa. And so it's a different environment. I mean, if, if Iowa takes weeks to decide who won the state this time around, that could lead to a thousand different uh, disastrous scenarios where the right wing, I mean, they, they did the Brook Brothers mob back in 2000 in Miami-Dade. It was a bunch of lobbyists and Republican consultants that pretended to be a mob who was gonna cause violence. In this case, they don't have to pretend, they got a lot of folks. So do we have any idea whether Iowa has their act you know, in place now and can actually count it in a couple of hours or a couple of days or no, that's it for states like Iowa, we're just gonna buckle up and wait for a couple of weeks and hope that the Trump doesn't steal it. No, I think the states have done a huge amount of work and are really aware of the challenge that's going on this time around. Like we've seen huge efforts from election administrators and support for them from various organizations who are really invested in making sure this goes smoothly. My concern is much more that we're going to see confusion and overreading of early results and not that we're not going to get results. I'm quite confident that we will get them. It just makes me nervous that people are gonna look at 10 votes in one county that are oddly swung one way or the other and kind of make these very dramatic conclusions when they're really not justified. Yeah, I wanna be clear about two things. First of all, Charlotte's trying to help the situation by getting you guys the right information. <laughs> Uh, and the website is 2020.dataforprogress.org. So I know on election night, you'll be watching the Young Turks, of course, I say to everyone watching. Uh, but you could also check this website for more uh, detailed information on the different states and this and this situation they're in. By the way, luckily, California is also a disaster. Luckily, it won't be in in play, it's not contested. Biden will win within Plus one minute. It's a disaster minute. and more just really slow. Yeah, no, no, California is, I love California, I live in California. I hate it when the Republicans diss California and meanwhile are proud of Alabama and Mississippi. I can go on and on, but in terms of counting votes, California is the absolute worst. They just don't even bother counting it in a lot of the elections, they just stop counting. Uh, so I know I was involved in one, 77% reporting, seven months later. <laughs> they just never counted the last quarter of the votes, it's insane. Uh, so I, I hope you're right, Charlotte, that other states don't do that and won't do that. And I hope California doesn't do that uh, and I, they get their act, you know, act in, in, in place. But okay, now for what you're doing, the project that you're doing, where you're trying to get people the right information. The audience is so important, the voters are so important. In the short time that we have though, probably the most important is the media. And so I'm curious, since you interact sometimes with them and you're trying to get them information, how open are they this time around? I mean, if you told me before that they were open to it, I wouldn't have believed you. And they're in 2000, they were the dumbest people on the planet and they, and they cost the planet dearly and probably got a million people in Iraq killed because of their incompetence. Have they gotten better? I think folks have been very open to learning and to being cautious. I think especially given the current environment, folks don't want to get burned by making a mistake because they didn't understand the results. And we are seeing that there are media operations that have a huge amount of in-depth experience. Our interest is really to be a double check and also to help people 
with different incentives contextualize what's going on and sort of push back on that effort to be first, to call it, to kind of overread, to predict and have folks just, just wait for the votes to roll in and then look at the results once we kind of have the full picture. Yeah, no, I, I love that there are folks like Charlotte out there in Data for Progress that are trying to contextualize it, get you guys the right information, and maybe most importantly, get the media the right information so they don't panic and call anything before all the votes are in. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.